Welcome to the Working Well Podcast. I'm Tim Boris, CEO of Fresh Wellness Group. If you're a corporate leader looking to improve your life at work and home, you're in the right place. You see, contrary to popular belief, work doesn't have to suck. It can be fun, it's exciting and rewarding. And to be successful at work, you don't have to sacrifice your health, sanity, or family time. In fact, being healthy, happy, and getting away from work on a regular basis is a major factor in long-term professional success. Another factor to consider is that workplace health and wellness isn't simply a box to tick on some corporate checklist. As an organization, it's not enough to run a few health-related lunch and learns or stress management programs and say you have a wellness program. Workplace wellness is a diverse and customizable combination of strategies, policies, programs, and services that clearly map back to corporate values and are tracked through key metrics. This podcast was created to delve into what it takes to work well. We're going to cover a wide range of topics including health, well-being, and performance at the personal, professional, and organizational level. Whether you're a C-level executive, mid-level management, or a new corporate professional, this show was designed to help you raise your game at home and the office. If you want to get more of the right things done, avoid burnout, and actually enjoy your time on this planet, including when you're at work, keep listening. Join me each week for practical tips, advice, expert interviews, and conversations with special guests. Once again, the goal is to help you look, feel, live, and perform at your best each day, whether you're at home or the office. So stick around. We've got lots of great topics in store for you. This inaugural episode, we're going to discuss the opportunities, issues, and frustrations that led me to the field of corporate wellness and ultimately to start this podcast. So let me know if any of these circumstances resonate with you or your experience. For me, it all started over 30 years ago. At the time, I was playing sports at an elite level and coaching younger athletes. I was working my way through high school, I know, a long time ago. But even as a pimply-faced teenager, I clearly saw the positive link between consistent physical and mental training, being challenged to learn and improve, and the impact that teams and coaching could have on a person's performance and success. You know, at that point, I didn't understand the science behind it, but it led me to university where I dove headfirst into psychology, kinesiology, and the fitness industry. After getting my degree, I settled into the fitness industry as a personal trainer and athletic performance coach. And as it turned out, most of my clients ended up being corporate professionals who came to me to get fit and lose weight. Now, even after 30 years, these are still the top two goals that people have when they go to the gym or hiring a trainer. As a young trainer, it didn't take me long into my career to realize that my efforts as a trainer in the gym could only make a small dent in someone's health and wellness if I didn't deal with what went on outside the gym. This is when I realized that the health club model is broken. Most health clubs were there to sell memberships. They weren't there to actually help people get fit and lose weight and improve their life. Now, as a trainer, that was my job. But what I realized quickly is that I was seeing someone about three hours a week. And I realized that so many people were struggling, not because I wasn't giving them good workouts. I could give them the most scientific workout, the best nutrition plan on the planet. 
but I was only seeing them for a fraction of the time in their week. I realized quickly it's not about the gym. That's why people were struggling. It's about what I call the other 165 hours in their week. You see, I would see them about three hours. That leaves 165 other hours that I'm not with them. Now, unless I was able to change those other 165 hours in their week, then I wasn't able to do my job as a trainer. And that got me thinking, what is it that they're doing in those other 165 hours? Now, remember, I came from the athletic field where athletes knew they had to go home and get their sleep and they typically were focused on their training. That's, that was their job. Now, when I started asking clients and looking deeper into what they did throughout the day, I realized that work was the biggest issue. Corporate culture, how they were working, what they were doing with their work, and that they weren't taking care of themselves. Now, I believe that being healthy, happy, and fit is absolutely amazing. And I've dedicated my career to helping people change that. And I realized so soon into my career that unless I helped people change how they worked and started working with companies, that we couldn't improve the situation for employees. Most people in the corporate world, it's TGIF. People struggle through the work week, get their stuff done, and then they're so stressed out by the weekend that those that are able to survive with some energy intact might go out and do something, some active things, but that's a small percentage. You know, the fact that Wednesday is called hump day speaks volumes about what people do at work. Now, while everyone's circumstances are different, we all have the ability to craft our environment for greater success. One of the things I ask clients to think about is just a simple question. Are you happily thriving or are you merely surviving? And I give them a, a quick five-point scale. Now, one is merely surviving. You're just getting by a day at a time. Two is you're getting by. You have the odd good day that keeps you sane, but overall, you're just pretty much getting by. Three is that you're on cruise control. It's not bad, not great. You're just there. You're sort of existing. Four, you're kicking butt, but sporadically in some areas. Some things are firing great. Other things are not as great. And a five is that you're happily thriving in most areas of life on most days. Not all the time, because we all have downtimes. But I want you to think about where are you on that five-point scale right now? If you looked at overall the people in your organization, if you're a leader, where are the people on your team? Where would you rate them and where do you think they would rate themselves? So as I was talking to more of my private and corporate coaching clients on this, I realized that I'd developed a bit of a framework to help people. And I call it the four pillars of personal performance. In order of importance, those pillars are one is mindset, two is habits, three is movement, and four is fuel. And the interesting thing is when we look back from a personal training standpoint, why people came into the gym The number one and two goals were get fit and lose weight. Maybe not necessarily in that order, but those were almost always the top two. If we looked at what people were doing, they were focused on exercising and eating well. And while those things are helpful, it became pretty clear to me that I could give people the best nutrition advice, the best workouts, 
And they would still struggle to get their goals if they didn't have the right mindset about the whole process. How did they view nutrition? How did they view exercise? How did they view their health in general throughout their life? And then what habits do they have in place to set themselves up for success? And what I've found since that time is that when we help people transform their mindset, when we help them get a few key success habits in place, the fitness and nutrition become easy. Now, I'm taking a bit of time to talk about the four pillars approach in personal training and fitness, and you might be thinking, well, hey, this is a working well podcast. What, what does this have to do with me being successful at work? And the interesting thing is, as a personal trainer, as I started helping clients work through this four pillars system, they would come back to me and they would be like, man, I've never felt this great in my life. I'm sleeping better. I've got more energy. I've got better relationship with my kids and my wife or my husband, my coworkers. I actually getting bonuses and raises and promotions at work because they were performing better in all areas of life. And as a bonus, they also lost weight and they got in better shape. Now, what I'm talking about isn't rocket science. We know that people that are healthier, happier, they perform better in almost every area of life. The problem is, most people don't do it. Since that time, I've personally worked with thousands of corporate professionals and dozens of companies, and things are positively changing. The issue is that that change has been too slow. Society is continuing to get more stressed, scattered, burnt out from work, and yet employees are having more thrown on their plate. We just have to look at the numbers to see how bad things have gotten. In the past year, 80% of people have experienced mental health challenges. That's up from 20% prior to the pandemic. Currently, four of the five leading causes of death in Canada are, quote, lifestyle diseases, and they're largely preventable. Two out of every three people in North America are overweight or obese, and that distribution is 50-50 between overweight and obesity, and the obesity side is growing faster. The great thing is simple lifestyle interventions can reduce the risk of heart disease, stroke, and diabetes by 80%, and the risk of cancer by 40%. And from a corporate and employee perspective, each of these areas are directly within our control. Now, at the fundamental level, every person is responsible for their own attitude, actions, and outcomes in life. That's our own responsibility. However, I believe it's irresponsible and bad business for companies to expect employees to manage these conditions and challenges on their own. Employees spend over half their waking hours at work, and based on the stats, probably some of the non-waking ones too. Helping employees be healthier, happier, and perform better is not only good business, but it's just the right thing to do. And this is usually where the, the chorus of voices in HR and leadership begin saying, hey, wait, we're, wait, we're different. We already have a wellness program in place. Our employees have access to resources through our EFAP plan. We provide programs on nutrition, stress management, stopping smoking, and things like that. And while those can be great tools in your wellness toolbox, people have to use them for them to work. Now, I can guarantee that in most companies, the utilization rate is extremely low. I've worked with dozens of companies. I've talked to hundreds of people, employees, as well as 
business leaders, and they will all tell you the utilization rate for those programs is critically low. Now, there are many reasons for this, and we'll cover those in more detail in future episodes, and some of our special guests will be able to shed light on them. But they include things like poor clarity on what wellness actually is, what it means to individuals and organizations, the lack of buy-in and accountability from the C-suite, non-existent strategy and metrics in companies, plus just flat-out boring and disengaging program options. The fact is, what companies are doing isn't working, and a new approach is needed. For years, I've worked with companies to help them implement wellness strategies initiatives, and the number one challenge my team and I faced during that time is that HR and the C-suite view wellness differently. I'd even argue that until the past year, wellness wasn't even a passing thought on the minds of most C-level executives. Yet, over 70% of companies say they offer a wellness plan to employees. Most of them even say that employee health and well-being is an important part of their values. Unfortunately, in most of these organizations, some poor HR associate or office manager is tasked with trying to put a wellness program together in their spare time with little guidance or budget or assistance from anyone else than maybe a few volunteer committee members. Sure, at this point, the company technically has a wellness program, and they're able to tick off that particular box on the marketing and recruiting brochure. But rarely do these programs work. They don't make an impact. And they end up stressing out the people trying to run them because there's little engagement and people just think of them as fluff. Due to the reasons that we listed above, even many large organizations with thousands of employees fail to see lasting results from their programs. Now, you might think this is... A negative thing, but I see it as an exciting opportunity. The stats overwhelmingly show that employees want health and wellness programs at work. Companies say it's important to them. And the stats show that these programs are seriously needed. The stats also show that workplace wellness programs provide exceptional returns for employees and the company. The missing piece is simply tying it all together. To do that, each company must develop a strategy about wellness in their organization, and that's going to be unique to each organization. After that, they have to put a plan in place and then implement the programs that provide the greatest benefit to people and the business. Few companies take the time to do this. They don't build the strategy. They don't think about how that strategy is best implemented in their organization. They just throw some random programs out there, throw a Uh, an EAP or EFAP program in place and say, well, we've done it. Maybe run a few seminars here and there, but it's not tied back to that strategy. This podcast is dedicated to helping people and businesses thrive. And each week we're going to strive to provide the knowledge, tools, and resources needed to live a healthier, happier life and to make work an awesome place to be, or at least we'll make it suck a lot less. As corporate leaders, you'll be able to use these strategies to make a positive impact on your company and your team. Now, before we wrap up this first episode, I want to share some stats with you that paint a picture of both the challenge and the opportunity in front of us. 70% of an organization's benefits costs come from six disease categories, cardiovascular, musculoskeletal, respiratory, digestive, cancer, and stress. The great thing All of these conditions are preventable or modifiable through behavioral changes. 
That's crazy. It's a huge opportunity. From an employer's standpoint, when employees suffer from chronic diseases, both productivity and opportunities are lost in terms of increased employee absenteeism, increased disability, increased accidents, reduced workplace effectiveness, and the negative impacts on work quality and customer service. From the overweight and obesity side, here's a great stat from the Duke Health and Safety System. Obese employees are absent on average 13 times more than non-obese employees and incur almost 7 times more than medical claims cost. Smokers cost an additional $3,400 approximately due to increased absenteeism, decreased productivity, and the cost of smoking facilities. Now, most things are non-smoking these days. This is, again, from the Conference Board of Canada back in 2006. But the fact is, there's a healthcare cost and a productivity and performance cost to smoking. Employees who experience high stress cost employers almost 50% more in health expenditures, while stress-related absenteeism counts for billions of dollars of extra costs to Canadian companies each year. And that was from the Canadian Medical Association Journal. A little bit more about the financial impact of effective workplace wellness programs. 11% higher revenue per employee. 1.8 fewer days absent per employee per year. 28% higher shareholder returns for companies that had effective workplace wellness programs. For every dollar spent on wellness programs, medical costs fall by about $3.27. And absenteeism costs fall by about $2.70. Three cents. If that's not fuel for overhauling your wellness strategy, I'm not sure what is. That's a wrap for today. I would love to hear your thoughts, feedback, and questions, including topics or guests you'd like to see featured on future episodes. Feel free to message us or email podcast at freshgroup.ca. Of course, please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues, and remember to subscribe so the latest episodes are delivered directly to you as soon as they are released. Have an amazing day. I'm Tim Boris. You've been listening to the Working Well Podcast.